You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over the U.S. Each week, we'll get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, this week is a great interview with veteran Aaron Martinez, who is in his fourth season of a documentary series about veterans called Struggle Beyond the Decade. Aaron is an extraordinary individual with a desire and lots of motivation to help veterans find purpose and connection to community after they return to civilian life. He's also part of the Veterans Adventure Group that does epic challenges like bicycling and ultra running. So sit back and enjoy my interview with Aaron. All right. Well, on the podcast today, we have Aaron Martinez. Hi, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good, good. Well, we've known each other a matter of about four minutes. Um, but the, (laughs) and I already feel like I know you, but maybe that's because I've been, uh, on your website and checking out your social media accounts. Um, and you are a pretty inspiring guy. So I'm glad to have you on the podcast today. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, and we need and to look at, looking through your guys' site. You know, yeah. looking through your site for your podcast. I mean, you you've talked to some pretty extraordinary people, so oh, I'm yeah. honored to speaking with you today. Great, good. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, we have to give a shout out to Dave Puffer. Um, from the local bike shop in Des Moines because he's the one that gave me your card. Um, and you are the founder of a website and a documentary, I'm sorry, documentary series called Struggle Beyond the Decade. And I want to get into that for sure. Um, but how about we start out with you telling the listeners where you live and what cycling is like there, like what the culture is like? Sure. Sure, and big shout-out to Dave um, over at Bike World. You know, I just went in there for – I'm starting to work on my bike to get it ready. I want to get some miles in. Um, I'm trying to recover my knees after I did another event. Um, so I wanted to get on my bike to get some miles in. But, yeah, um, I ran into him, and, and he made the connection, and that's kind of that's kind of how I live anyways is, is a matter of connection because I believe the connection cures – lots of different things. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I said, I live in Iowa. Um, I'm just outside of Des Moines in a community called Norwalk, Iowa, where I run a jiu-jitsu academy. Mm. Um, and cycling is pretty big here in Iowa. Um, we have, like, I, I think we have, like, over 1,800 miles of, of improved trails um, along with multiple different patios that intersect with those that become good hot spots for, mm-hmm. for cyclists. And not to mention thousands of miles of gravel. Yeah, plenty of that. <laughs> oh, great. Plenty of gravel and plenty of corn and aisle. Yeah, that's for sure, yeah. Well, uh, give us a little bit about your background. Um, you said you own a, I'm going to say it wrong, but is it jiu-jitsu? Yeah, jiu-jitsu. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, uh, my background is, you know, I, I was raised here in Iowa. Um, I joined the military back in 1999, and I retired just recently, um, got out of the military. I was active duty army for, um, over 15 years and, uh, took an early retirement out and yeah, came home to Iowa, um, got enrolled in some college here, did that for, for a couple of years. Um, I graduated at Grandview university with a bachelor's degree in graphic design. Um, I became many things after that. I, one of the, 
one of the things about me is I, I really found an attachment to find community. Um, since returning home as a veteran can be a big struggle for a lot of vets trying to repurposing themselves and, and trying to find what their purpose is and trying to find vocations um, and how those two things kind of um, go with each other and don't go with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so community became a part of how I was going to kind of reattach myself to to a network of people um, because in the military, networking is kind of key to get things done. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to take the same approach of approaching a community that I knew nothing about. Um, so, you know, after completing college and going through the graphic design world and being a creative consultant, um, it led me into, into a purpose that took on, on another four-year challenge, which I'm still currently doing now which is uh, the nonprofit organization um, struggled beyond the decade. Awesome. Well, I read, uh, first of all, your website is amazing. Uh, but it, from what I saw, Struggle Beyond the Decade was formed in 2018. Like you mentioned, you're a veteran, and I want to give you a shout out. Uh, sounds like you put in a lot of time uh, protecting us. So thank you for that. And, um, you know, it's nice to say that you're retired from uh, such a crazy, I don't know if you'd call it a career or a lifestyle. Um, And I can't even imagine what it's like to go from being in the army and the army way to retiring and then kind of being set free in back to the world that you haven't been part of for so long. So I'm sure that that's kind of how struggle beyond the decade was sparked. But um, can you give us a little bit of idea of how that nonprofit was born? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you kind of nailed it all in the head right there. It's, um, you know, the nonprofit was formed in 2018, but the project itself began in 2016. Okay. So it was a right, it was right around, right before summer break. Um, I had a friend and comrade that I served with in Iraq in 2003. We were both deployed, um, in the same company to the same area, which was Fallujah, Iraq. Um, and after after he had some um, after he came back, he had another two deployments to Afghanistan, and I kind of lost track of him, which is easy to do in the military. You know, you, you're bound to this brotherhood, but like it is easy to get detached just because everybody has different focuses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lost track of him until 2016 when he came up on my radar, uh, which was um, when he um, ended his own life. Ah. Um, and so. This this kind of set, um, I guess, a a um, things into motion. You know, I, I I'm a very um, connected person to my own energy. I, I do believe in trusting my intuition. And something came to me in my sleep at night and told me that I needed to be involved in this somehow. That at all in my capacity, I needed to do get involved. So I was on break from summer summer break, and and I had. You know, a camera, a regular Canon camera, 70D, and I was interested in photography and, and with this thing that came along and uh, how it impacted the rest of the, the people in my formation, um, I felt like the, the thing I could do when it was from a creative standpoint was to create new dialogue and perspective about the current rate of suicides for veterans, which mm. is at most people know that number is at 22, 22 a day. Um and that's, that's pretty alarming to know that young men and women come home from these tours, or not even if they don't serve as combat veterans, and they, they spend time in the service in this culture mm-hmm. that's so abstract from, from the culture that me and you live in right now as civilians, um, that there is a, a very big 
um, significant culture change and culture shock that happens that causes a lot of these problems to happen, and then veterans kind of go off the ledge and they lose sight of community, their purpose, mm-hmm. um, and and stop doing the things that was keeping them on their feet before. Um, amongst many other things like post-traumatic stress disorder and um, traumatic brain injury being two of the main key key things there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and so after he did that, I just kind of I kind of wrote wrote a quick plan in place about how I could handle a four-year um, kind of like phases of operations of how I would attack the the suicide issue. Um, so the best way I figured to do it was by doing what I called the field work. So basically, for the past four years, I've deployed myself all over the United States to find veterans. Um, first, in the first season, was to find veterans that were diagnosed and undiagnosed with post-traumatic stress. Mm. And these were all combat veterans. And I listened to their stories and, 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 and listened to them tell some of these stories for the first time um, and, and really got, got the, to put the perspective in the viewer's hands. So many of the people that were speaking to me after after the series had released, was like mothers and wives, um, ex-wives uh, of these veterans that were um, dealing with these issues when they were getting home and, and had no outlet. And now that it's out there, their perspective is out, and we're starting to see some commonalities um, with the way that the series was being portrayed. Um, it really made a, uh, a change a change of perspective from um, you know, parents being able to understand their own children or or wives don't understand their husbands, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, you are, you know, you're finding, you're seeking these people out, and then you're filming them while you interview them. Is that what you're doing? Correct. And so, it kind of acts as kind of like a three part thing. So, one, it's I don't ever just go and do these things and just film them. I, I take part. Um, oh, okay. I'm also an RRT specialist, so I get to have personal contact with these veterans and learn their stories and and help kind of um, shift their way of thinking about things as I collect the data as well. So, um, yeah, so the first season was all based on that. And then the second season we moved into trying to find what veterans were doing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I traveled around the country and went to these events where veterans were holding these things in their own communities to learn and and to see how they were thriving and what they were doing significantly. It was different than in comparison to some of the larger veteran service groups like the Wounded Warrior Project, or like the VA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third season really turned into the nonprofit groups. So basically, essentially, I became a kind of like a, an echoing system for the nonprofits that were out there. So I wasn't really interested in growing my own nonprofit. It was about raising awareness for other nonprofits that, okay. that were per- personally involved instead of, you know, just being a, a million-dollar nonprofit organization that loses their... Um, personal touch. I was visiting nonprofits that were kind of on the verge of starting and and, and really roused by um, by their own, I, I guess, connection to the to the topic of suicide. Mm-hmm. And I can see, um, you know, I'm not a therapist or anything like that, but I can see you being a veteran, sitting down and talking with veterans, and you know, maybe maybe they're telling their story for the first time, it's got to be therapeutic for that person, also for you, but then also for, like you mentioned, the family of, you know, whoever watches it is like, oh, now that makes sense. Correct. 
Yeah, and one of the big things I want to mention here, too, is not just, like, mothers of people that were veterans that were still alive, but I also became largely connected to families that had lost, have lost, you know, sons or daughter to suicide, mm-hmm. and now I'm connecting with these, I'm, I'm a first responder for some of these families about what the next steps are. So amongst the, the third season of filming, um, I was so intrigued by a specific form of therapy um, when I went to go film another retreat and to work with this nonprofit group. I was so inspired by um, the the form of therapy that was being used in, in, in form and I guess in comparison to um, traditional talk therapy that would like the VA would offer or whatnot, cognitive mm-hmm. um, therapy. But it was so inspiring to me that I went out and set out to learn this technique myself. Um, and so, yeah, that became also part of it. Not only was I a filmmaker, not only was I a participant, um, but now I was also someone there to be a responder. Right. And give it, providing some clarity and not just listening to the veteran's story and then leaving them a little bit, you know, like, oh, now I told everybody, now I got to sit with it. So right. I, had immediate, I had immediate action and hands-on with these vets that were in some dire straits. Wow. So you're you're, uh, you know, offering the outlet of being on film and telling the story, but then afterwards you are still staying in their lives or in the family's lives. That's, that's very impressive. Absolutely. I tell people all the time when they come up and speak to me about the documentary, they're like, man, that was amazing. That was good. Or this and that, you know, and, but I tell them like, you know, only about 10% of what really happened, you know, made the documentary, you know, because, mm-hmm. I don't run the camera 24 um, seven when, when I'm doing people work too, you know, so. You mentioned that you go all across the United States doing this, but um, are do you have a method of finding veterans or did they find you or how does that work? Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So the first season I, I set out with a plan and agenda and, um, and then the, by the second season, after the first season released, um, I had calls coming in of, multiple different ways, different people, the way they're connected, like, Hey, I know this group. I went there to go visit this. So I was, it was important that I listened and became, um, a student of listening and, and really to, to figure out if I wanted to find something that was a healing modality for a veteran. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to suggest them something that was going to be valuable for them. And that also provided, um, a, a clear healing process and not just something that was, you know, um, I don't know, farce. So you um, you gave us a little bit of a lowdown of the documentary series, you know, what each season was about. But do you have like a favorite episode that you think about all the time or that you're just so proud of? Yeah, I think I think probably I don't know if it was there's so all of them. I have a special connection with all of them because mm. not only do I travel and do the filming and do all the interviews and do all the post-production editing by myself, you know, it's this is all something that I don't have another partner doing. Um, you know, for example, this season I have nine episodes and they're all one hour apiece. Mm-hmm. So in eight months, I complete nine one hour episodes um, with all the editing and filming being done only by me. Yeah, I was going to um, say, so there's I, prob- fall in love with, I fall in love with each one of these episodes yeah. because they're all, they're all connected to me. They're all a part of, um, a, a chronological order of events that happened throughout a year for me 
um, that I get to see these changes happen for people's lives because yeah. many times some of these same people come back and repeat with another episode. They all drag them along with me once I meet them. So oh, um, my favorite my favorite episodes is probably the um, episodes, and I've done I've done three three or four episodes just with this one specific group of uh, nonprofit members, which is from the Veterans Adventure Group. Hmm. Um, they do they take part in extreme um, extreme outdoor events and indoor events as well. But, you know, they're into the cycling community. They're into NASCAR. They're into um, mountaineering um, and many other different, and, and running, ultra running. So I've done a couple events with them, um, and I, I always look forward to, to hanging out with those guys and telling a story because there's always a bunch of characters in there um, <laughs> and just just how they're doing it and, and the, the pure, real spiritual connection that I have to the veterans there mm-hmm. is not only worthwhile, but um, absolutely amazing. Awesome. And that is a great segue to my next question, because I think it's probably related, but uh, how does biking fit into the lives of the veterans that you work with? Oh, sure. Um, so this is like something that's kind of kind of came up because of something else I was doing. So I had just finished climbing uh, Mount Rainier. We did, we did a double summit um, last year, and I had another event scheduled, the Veterans Adventure Group, which which was to go run um, the Coastal Georgia Greenway 155 mile ultra run, mm. um, and so my plan was that I was going to run next to this veteran athlete. Um, I was going to actually cycle, so I was going to ride next to her and film, so I had a steady platform to shoot from. Because remember, like I'm an amateur filmmaker, but at the same time, I, I do all my filming events while doing the event. So oh, okay, it's not I, I have to like take on mountaineering, you know, climbing. Uh, uh, the peak of summit of Mount Rainier, but I also have to, you know, adhere to my own safety and carry all my camera and find shots. Right. And so it's a, it's a pretty wild event, but doing this ultra run, I was supposed to cycle it. And instead I kind of got within my own ways. and I was like, you know what? I'm going to run it with her. Wow. So on a whim, I jumped up and, and uh, we knocked out 55 of the 155 miles before she couldn't continue because she had an injury during the run. But then I was kind of licked. You know, I was kind of like, you know, there's something about this. And it's not just the cycling or, or the running. Mm-hmm. You know, we can all get up and do these things on our own sometimes when we have enough, you know, we have the desire and the motivation. But what inspired me was a community. So what I'm finding out in these small groups that like to do extreme things or like to do things that are hard um, also have a very special and tight-knit community, which I'm looking forward to, to getting into the bike world, just because, like I said, Iowa here has, you know, over 1,800 miles of, of paved roads and, and a, a good cultured community mm-hmm. here in Iowa with the cycling. So I would love to do nothing more than put together an event for veterans, um, even if it's, even if it's you know, two or three vets that want to do a multi-day bike ride with me would be pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. I did an interview with uh, Larry Ritland, who's a veteran, and he pedaled across the United States um, in support of veterans. And I think he did most of it solo. So there's somebody yeah. that you guys should connect because you have similar, um, you know, your inspiration is real similar. But um, I can see where there's a need for that to happen, where people, you know, vet, other veterans know that there's an organization or an entity or some sort of, you know, availability to do a either a bike ride or a run in Iowa. 
Yeah, I think I think there's something, um, and I don't want to, my messages get confused here. You know, um, I've talked to a lot of people, especially with the veteran suicide community. Like it's it's just something I'm a part of. Um, and I travel all over the place to do speaking engagements and meet with families and do events. Um, and just seeing, like, um, I guess how we do look at, like, the, the 22 push-ups, you know, and the, the suicide epidemic kind of came on the rise and in the media's attention and the eyes of, of the citizens here. It's they're doing 22 push-ups. And I always, people always ask me, they're like, Aaron, what, what does 22 push-ups do for the families or the veterans that are dealing and struggling with suicide mm. every day. Mm. And I'm like, it's hard to give them a solid answer. Like it raises awareness. You know, you're trying to find something to support people that are trying to care. Cause most of all, they don't, people don't know how to get involved in these things. That's true. You know, being in the suicide, being in the suicide community, talking about it, I've struggled to find supporters and stuff like that just because people don't want to speak about it. It's such a tough topic because it, it gets in, it gets exchanged with, some people's morals and, and beliefs, um, and, and people just want to, to make it disappear. But I would, I would encourage people to listen up instead, because like anything, when, when, when situations get silenced for so long and they get washed over, they begin to have a, um, a pour over, you know, the water becomes too high in the cup and it starts to begin to pour over. And I think that's what we witnessed in the last couple of years here with the amount of veterans that have ended their own lives on, you know, um, veteran affairs front, front, lot, front yard mm. um, as an example of, you know, pay attention to what's going on. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. So, yeah, there's, um, it's a pretty big topic and, and, a, and, a, and a hard one to speak about. Mm-hmm. But um, I think doing events like this um, shows a network of community that um, are willing to to get out and do something very extreme to say, hey, I'm willing to put myself through this, but, you know, to bike across Iowa, to bike across the whole state. So you'll, you'll understand my message is important. And I think that not only, like you said, when we had the first start of the conversation, there's benefits to it for people to learn from these things, but there's also benefits to the person who's making the ride himself. Mm-hmm. So. For, for myself and for the other veteran that you were speaking about, um, there is something that we get from it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and most of that is about fulfilling and finding our new purpose. Mm-hmm. And I and I think um, doing these extreme events, um, even if you're doing it with veterans or without veterans, it still kind of gives you um, a platform to speak and to have a moment, you know, when somebody's like, you did what? <laughs> and then you can say, yeah yeah, 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 I did. And this is why I did it. And it starts a conversation. So I, I think there is a lot of good in that, you know, besides the doing the actual event. Well, I believe in setting a good example. Mm. Um, we wanted to talk about this 50 mile thing. So this had nothing to do with veterans. This is something I did with my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy. I called it the professor's challenge. So I challenged my guys to something. I try to do it every three months where I'm like, okay, we're going to go do this. And they're like, oh, man, not another one. <laughs> um, but I like to lead by example. And, and I kind of want to segue this to, to, to where you ended off with your comment um, about not just doing things with veterans. And I want to make this very clear. is like um, veterans for a long time, I remember getting out, people were saying, well, Civilians don't understand me. They won't. They don't understand. And I would say, well, you know, um, 
and I heard this from another Vietnam veteran as well, is, you know, they don't understand. And the only way that they can understand is by talking, about speaking, about, you know, being present. Don't, don't hunker down. Be present. Get out and meet people. Mm-hmm. Like, like how I met Dave at the bike shop, which led me to connect to you. Mm-hmm. So, which is going to lead us probably pedaling a bike ride together. You know? yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> uh, and, and you're not in the military, but you have an ear to listen and you have a platform to be able to speak it. Mm-hmm. So by me being brave enough to connect with you and share my story with you is ultimately going to be a blessing for the entire universe. Definitely, yes. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. Back to you. You know, the reason that we even met was because you were in a bike shop. But how does biking fit into your life? So biking has only been in my life for exercise purposes right now, um, just because the fact that I've, I do a lot of different things and, and doing this film project, it really sucks the kind of the uh, eight months out of my life. And so my planning events have to come very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, with COVID-19 happening, and I hate happening to even bring that up on this positive cast right here. We <laughs> 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 have to speak about the world as it is. Right, so with right. COVID-19 happening, we were planning on doing an event here in Iowa called um, Ragbri, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. Yeah. Um, um, we wanted to, I wanted to take a, you know, do a filming project. And I wanted to, like I said, have two or three veterans that had like little to no writing experience um, and take them on this, this uh, multi-day um, biking event. Not, not to have some challenge to win, but to just be together, mm-hmm. to be able to share some conversation and dialogue to put them back into what they like to do. Because veterans like to work, right? Just like you have different types of dogs in the world, right? You have a Rottweiler that enjoys security and, and work. They won't thrive unless they're doing those two things. So a veteran needs to be out in nature. He needs to be out, you know, doing hard things and packing his gear and prepping and training um, to be to go to pull a, a, a large-scale event off with success. So that's what I essentially wanted to do and get myself back in the, and get into the bike community mm-hmm. um, because I believe that the bike community has a small community that um, has their own humor, has their own jokes that I think eventually that would be a good fit for veterans as well. Yeah. And, you know, like you mentioned, and we all know that RAGBRAI was, um, I shouldn't say canceled, it was postponed, so it will happen next year. Do you think you'll still have that vision? I mean, we're a year away, but do you think you're going to try and do it next year? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. So so my filming project, I'm kind of of at the the end of the Struggle Beyond the Decade, like, docu-series, but now I'm going to do focused on some um, larger stories that will have um, that doesn't have to have the same synchronicity of being in a series mm-hmm. um, that portrays with the name struggle beyond the decade. So I'm looking to move this thing into such um, a different direction, but still maintain these events. So Denali, we're going to be climbing that with the Veterans Adventure Group um, this next year, 2021. So that'll be a part of it that I plan on doing a bike event, so um, if you know anybody out there that wants to work with me or a veteran that probably could use a little bit of brotherhood yeah. that wants to do, some, do something long, 
long and hard there. So like I'm, I'm into it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how I'm looking to get into it. Yeah. And I, anybody who listens to this, to this podcast has heard me talk about Ragbri a gazillion times, but if you haven't, it's basically a seven-day bicycle tour. Uh, each day you're in a different town or series of towns, and you pedal from one side of the state to the other. So um, you do have to train, and you do have to have a really good mindset to be able to sit on the saddle for six, seven hours a day over and over and over again. So it's it's... It's definitely a challenge. Absolutely. And, and that's where, I think that's where, you know, not just myself, but I think that's where veterans thrive at. Um, we're used to that in, in a sense of um, being a combat combat soldier or a, combat, or a Marine or any, anybody else that's seen combat theater mm-hmm. from, from the front lines understands that that's where we thrive at. So um, we, we talked about this 50 miler for, for me, when I, when we started this thing, I had a little bit experience with long distance runs and long hikes and stuff like that. I'm in great shape to do these things. But when I did the challenge for my jujitsu academy here, none of these folks were strong runners. Um, but I had, let me see, I think I had four, I had four that went with me. Um, one made it 15 miles. Um, she's a police officer here in my community. Um, and the furthest she'd ever ran was six miles. Oh, so wow. we can check that. We can check that walk. Mm-hmm. Um, the next person, the next person that made it, made it a marathon. So he stopped at a marathon, and he had never ran anything over ten miles. Um, the next girl, um, she she had just came out of surgery, and she made thirty one miles wow. and never ran anything over two miles. Um, and then myself and there was a, a veteran that ran with me. Um, we completed the 50 miles and, and, and it hurt really bad, you know, <laughs> getting over by Sederville area when we got a little hilly, when we were at like mile 20, um, 20, 25, somewhere around there. Or no, actually that was a bit further. So we were, we were into it about 40 miles into it. So we had about 10 miles left, um, was pretty miserable, but there was a moment when the, the veteran that ran with me just hit a mid stop point and just, He's like, I don't know, my knee's not operating right. And mm. It was just that that kind of, you know, hey, we're going to have to finish it. Don't think about this as a run. Think about it as we have to get home. Think about it as we're on a long track and we have 10 miles left to get home before mm-hmm. or before the helicopter meets us at the extraction point. Mm-hmm. And, and we have that kind of mentality, you know, I didn't train for that event. I'm not recommending people that don't, they should, should not train to go to an event. You should definitely train for it. But it's that type of mentality that I have that keeps me thriving and keeps me um, successful and keeps my mind strong and allows my body to only be working what it means to be working while um, my mind's pushing me through the process. And just to be clear, you ran 50 miles yes. in one at, in one day or at one time? Correct. Correct. Wow. We started at 5.30 in the morning um, at what would be the um, Western Bike Trail, and then we ran that all the way to past Sailorville and into Camp Dodge in one in one setting. Wow! Was there a name for this event, or was it kind of something you did on no. your own? We just did it on our own. I just challenged my guys to do it. This is when COVID's, you know, kind of um, about three or four weeks into COVID happened. We had because I was planning on, like I said, I was planning on doing Rag Bride mm-hmm. here. What would have been this month, right? Or no, next month. Next month, yep. Um, and 
that was my plan. I, and we had planned to do um, climb Mount Hood in Oregon with um, six of my guys here, and that got canceled for COVID. So every event that I was planning um, continued to kept getting canceled. And so I was like, you know what? Let's do it anyway. We're going to go do it. We're going to go do it. And, this is, and that's the best because, you know what, there is no trophy. There is no medal. There is no – we weren't even posting things on Facebook. It didn't even matter. Like, it, yeah. it was not about anybody else. You know, there was no, no pride or recognition. It was just within, can I do this? And, and that's what we did. That's amazing. And you um, you said a little snippet here and there, but I was going to ask you, have you done any other epic adventures? And you mentioned um, some hiking or mountaineering. Yeah. Um, so every year I go, I spend pretty much um, June, May, June, July climbing in the Pacific Northwest. So Mount Hood, Mount Adams, and Mount Rainier. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of my, that's kind of my, uh, the thing that really gets me gets me going, mm-hmm. I guess. But I'm just I'm just about anything that's that's hard, challenging, and gets me in a community that I can meet people. Um, especially if there's a story behind it, then of course I'd love to show up and build it to tell those stories. What motivates you? Well, that's that's a pretty good question. Um, let me see what what motivates me here. Um, I would say what motivates me is healthy desires of other people. Mm. So when people come to me and they are asking for help or they want to, you know, ask about my nonprofit or they want to join my jiu-jitsu school, um, I ask them always their first question is I ask people is, what is your desire? And as long as people have healthy desires, I want to help them have that. So helping other people, I would say, um, motivates me along with clarity. Clarity motivates me. Um, the affirmation of my purpose motivates me, you know, finding some sort of like connection to something where you know that you were supposed to be there and supposed to be doing what you're doing is, is an affirmation of my purpose on this planet. So, um, and that, and, and trusting my internal voice, those, those are things that motivate me. Mm-hmm. And just from uh, us talking for the last half hour or so, I feel like everything that you've spoke about has such a positive impact on people. So, you know, you, from what I'm seeing, you are definitely doing the right thing and you're reaching some, you know, amazing people that probably need it when you reach out to them. Thank you. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the events, you asked me on the event, I, I might well, um, tell you about this one. We run, yeah. a, we run a, um, an annual Ruck March. So Ruck March is like the, the sacks that, like the backpacks that, a soldier or a Marine would carry. Um, we do these rough marches, which is only a 5K. Um, we tried it because we want it to be for everybody and not just some, like, death match, you know what I mean? So um, every September we've always done that here in Des Moines um, at Principal Park where we do a 5K um, awareness walk and we do kind of a community, community day there for a couple hours and have breakfast and A quick interruption to tell you this week's sponsor is Thirsty Pigs, a full-service mobile event company offering beer, wine, spirits, plus catering for any indoor or outdoor event. Check out more at thirstypigs.com. Now back to the show. Having a connection to a community um, is, I think, where I think veterans can start thriving the most as a community. Like right now, even with, with COVID happening and all the, all the demonstrations and, and riots and all this stuff that's going on all around the world, mm-hmm. we're, we're finding that I think we're, veterans are kind of 
for seeing this thing as something that is is more valuable than um, than not for the last couple of years or last decade of, of war that we've been through. So, and I and I hate that this sound like maybe this might come out negative, but I'm going to try to be try to word myself correctly. Is oftentimes when I'd be interviewing a veteran, and I would they would begin to become upset. They would always say some stuff like, you know, I really wish something would happen here, you know, so people would get it. And I kind of agreed with them, but I, I didn't really know what they were meaning by it. So the more I heard it, the more I sat down with myself and really tried to think about what is being said here. And there's an interesting thing about the word tribe that's kind of being a catchword now mm. um, after um, a book that was written called The Tribe. And there's a there's a neat connection to that, that somehow, some way, us as, us as humans, us, like me and you, we're, we're, we're driven by purpose. We have these things that have got us to where we're at in life right now. But when, when you have this um, disconnection with society, you have something that, that draws you away from your internal voice, right? That, that internal thing that says, you know, like, I feel really good when I'm outside. I don't know what it is, but it feels better when I'm sitting than sitting in my office. You know, being outdoors with my feet in the grass feels a lot better than paying my bills. Or, mm-hmm. you know, this and that, you know, all these things that connect us to politics and all these things that we want to fight and argue about that we're getting so far away from it that it's starting to drive people nuts, I think, a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I, I think agree. that's where veterans are thriving the most is because they're finding out that it's going to take a small tribe of people that have the same, that have a, not the same purpose always, but have at least likewise, like like-minded ideas, like-minded thoughts, and gather that with community, and then, and then you can have some turnaround success. Mm-hmm. Then you have less bickering. But because we live in such a superficial society with cell phones and, and social media where we can be keyboard warriors with each other. We found that with COVID-19 and with all this stuff going on, that there's starting to be a multiple, a multiple problems going on where people are just disconnecting and, and mm. touching each other out on social media because they can't agree on something. The tribe, the tribe is what's important. That's why I mentioned like with cycling community, with the running community, with the jujitsu community, with mountaineering community, the veteran community, we're starting to find that, like, small tribes, we can have dialogue that's safe. We can have, you know, a real connection outside of our phones um, and, and have a real, you know, writing across from each other and having a voice and, and having an ear. So I think that's there's something powerful about that going on right now. Yeah, and I and there's definitely something to be said for face-to-face communication. And that's exactly what you just described as being part of some community, whatever community it is, and being able to have, uh, instead of a Facebook type-off, to be able to communicate face-to-face is a world of difference. Sure, because I think part of the times when people are talking to each other through their phones, they're not really listening, you know? (laughs) They have the ability to kind of, like, you know, wash the dishes or, you know, work work on something, you know, editing or something while someone's trying to chat with you. And so you're just kind of giving them the thumbs up and thank God we got emojis to shorten that up. But, um, you know, you can't do that when you're sitting across from somebody. Yeah, you're right. And, and when I work with people, I work with several, several people in my community, not just as a veteran or trying to help them with a nonprofit. I'm talking about people that just want to come and talk to me. Mm-hmm. And when I speak to these people, I teach them about the power of listening. If you can listen, then you can really hear, you know, and, and, when people learn how to turn that on and really gear their mind and let their computer run with a good listening ear, a good way to absorb that data, um, they become more powerful themselves and they 
they have the ability to actually um, listen and help other people instead of just giving this this that oh I'm sorry to hear that you know or or likes and prayers or or whatnot you know mm-hmm. you get some real you get some real connection. Yeah, well said. Listening is the key to so many things. <laughs> Back to your event that you have in September, uh, is that something that's just for veterans, or is it for anybody in the community? No, that's um, that's the, the that's kind of what I was trying to tell you about when I when I kind of got sidetracked. But um, yeah, that's that's an event we open up for the community. So oh, great! Okay, the first year we did it, we had like 120 people show up, um, and they were mixed of all. You know, branches of the service, but there was a ton, ton of people that just was like, I want to know how to get involved. I want to know how to help. I want to, you know, and essentially that's what happens on these walks is that people aren't taking pictures of themselves. You know, they're, they're walking and meeting somebody mm-hmm. right next to them that's doing something hot, you know, on a hot day with them. You know, they're walking right next to this person. So they have no other choice but to allow that, that exercise to, to bring their, their voices together. Yeah. Do you think you'll and have yeah, it? We, 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 we want to have it, but with COVID happening, um, obviously we're going to move past September with all the different festivals and stuff that have been canceled mm-hmm. already for the year. Um, so if it gets done, um, which we hope we can get it done, we're looking at probably October, moving it over to October time. And if people want to find information about it, can they go to your website? Sure, they can go to the website, but we're also on, you know, and I talked about these superficial platforms here, but, you know, we all need them these days. So, <laughs> right. um, Facebook, we're on Facebook and Instagram. If you just look up Struggle Beyond the Decade, or you can go to www.strugglebeyondthedecade.org, um, and you can find all the information there. Usually on the social media platforms is where we, I, I guess, have the loudest, um, the loudest voice in terms of. Um, putting out events and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And also, when you go to that website, you can see all your episodes of your documentary se- series, so people can watch them. That's correct. You can also, um, if you're just interested in seeing just the film, um, you can you can go to just right on the homepage of YouTube, get in your search box and punch in "struggle beyond the decade," and you'll be able to access all four seasons. Mm. Um, and as a reminder, here this Saturday is the final, is the finale episode of season four. So oh, okay. we're, we have to, we're finishing up the season. My, my schedule's getting clear. So, you know, some people that want to get on a bike and take me through a success, let me know. I'm free. <laughs> awesome. I may take you up on that next time I'm in Norwalk area. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, if, um, you know, you mentioned you're a nonprofit, so let's just say that somebody listening is interested in getting involved or even donating. Um, is there a place they can go to do that? Yeah, um, we, you know, we've been, been slowing down on our donation requests just because of COVID going on and we don't want to, we don't want to allocate funds to something that somebody could help somewhere else. But if people are interested in, in getting involved, um, with either a monetary donation or getting involved with one of our events or being a sponsor or just wanting to help out and, or get a veteran hooked up with us, um, you can go to um, www.strugglebeyondthedecade.org, go up to your menu at the top and hit the Get Involved button, and you can donate immediately. Mm. Um, or just reach out to me um, at, or at strugglebeyondthedecade.films at gmail.com and uh, talk to me personally. That's the way I like to roll. I don't like to send you guys through some automated machine. I like to hear your voice. I want to hear your ideas. And um, I'm, I'm concerned if, if, there's a, if there's something that needs to get done, I'm your guy. 
Yeah. Well, Erin, I am so thankful that you were on the podcast and I learned a lot and it's just, you're a very motivating person. So I, I hope that you know that and you feel that when you're doing your day-to-day stuff with um, your different nonprofit organization and just like doing all these epic adventures. Well, it's like I said, I have, I'm interested always in hearing the healthy desires of others. And my desire is always to entertain things that are possible to do and mm-hmm. good to be done. Well, I will never, ever, ever join you in a 50-mile run, but I would love to do a suffer fest of pedaling sometime with you. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, Aaron, for taking the time to chat. If you'd like to watch Aaron's documentary series or get more information on how to help his nonprofit, you can go to strugglebeyondthedecade.org. And if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting, email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. You can go to morphologypodcast.com to find good info. And I launched a YouTube channel, so if you want to see videos of the places I bike, check that out. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology, and this quote comes from today's guest, Aaron Martinez. The power of listen. If you listen, you can really hear. Think about it.